episode two of the FQ podcast. I'm Simon Smale. This week, we're talking to two people who helped us believe in magic once again. Owen Baker orchestrated Brisbane Strikers' fantastic FFA Cup run, which took them all the way through to the semi-finals just last year, knocking out A-League opposition and making us believe in the magic of the Cup. Under his tutelage, Andrew Pengeli scored 52 goals in a season, the most of anyone ever in Queensland football competitions, and it earned him a spot in an overseas team and an overseas professional contract. Both join me now to talk about what was a fantastic season. Gentlemen, welcome to the FQ Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, We'll we'll get started. This podcast, of course, um, is going to be based around what a fantastic season you you both were part of last year with Brisbane Strikers. But we'll we'll start a little bit um, further in the past than that. And we'll start with you, Owen. Um, You were the assistant coach um, at at Strikers um, up until 2017 and then kind of got thrown into the deep end for the national finals campaign that year when Sean Lane departed. Um, So couple of good wins, got to a national grand final. It's not a bad way to start your senior coaching career. Yeah, I was uh, definitely thrown in the deep end there a little bit, but um, probably quite fortunate in the, in the sense, uh, I think that would have been my seventh year at the club, you know, so for the, the couple of years before that, I was working with the under 18s and 20s and obviously got to see some very good first team coaches before me um, and work with them. So I was pretty lucky um, and by then obviously the team had won the league they were confident um, I don't think I did too much um, other than just uh, sign the paper before <laughs> before the game uh, but it was a great experience obviously we went down to Newcastle and uh, to Hobart so and then obviously hosted the final so it was a really good uh, uh, experience at the start. Yeah, going away in knockout competitions is nothing new for Brisbane strikers, but we'll we'll get on to that. Um, but yeah, no, a fantastic start. Um, and I guess because you'd been at strikers for such a long time, uh, did you think that helped in making that step up? Or was it actually a little bit difficult because you had been, I guess, one of the guys for such a long time? Did it change becoming that senior coach? Yeah, I think uh, a bit of both. I think um, it was it was good for me in the sense that I knew... Um, the expectations of the club and how we wanted to play and obviously the players very well because some of those players um, had actually have actually followed me on that journey in parallel you know Ryan Palmer is, is one that was in my under 15s team and he's still in his first team today so um, I actually think during this COVID-19 break is the longest time I haven't seen him in, in nine years you know um, <laughs> So I think that helped me. Um, obviously, there was a few players at the time, um, like Greg Hensley and Dossie, which are my age or a few years older. So um, it, it, I didn't go in there all of a sudden start telling them what to do. Uh, that would be very silly. Uh, they, they, they were great for me too, their experience. Um, um, and, you know, I learned a lot off them being, you know, experienced players. Um, I, I, learned, I learned heaps off Greg and, and Dossie. You mentioned it's the longest time you've probably not seen some of these guys. How are you coping with not with not coaching, with not playing, Andy, as well? Like, I mean, it does seem like you two have had a little bit of interaction fairly recently um, on the golf course. But uh, other than that, like, what's it like? What are you guys filling your time with in, 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 during this lockdown? Uh, is that one for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go to you yeah. first, Andy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm playing a lot of golf, to be fair. Um, but usually, <laughs> I'll train. Very well today. You took the money. 
<laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, usually I train in the morning. Um, and then, yeah, during the day, I just hang out with a mate or do something like that or just chill at home. But um, I've been on the golf course quite a bit and I've got Zoom sessions still with my team back in Singapore. So um, I'm keeping busy enough. And, yeah, it's, it's obviously tough, but it's what's more important at the moment as well. Sure. And so the training that you mentioned, is that a lot of solo stuff? So just doing strength, flexibility, the sort of stuff you'd probably be able to do on your own anyway? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially during the two weeks I spent at home. Um, it was obviously all by myself and a lot of that stuff because I couldn't leave my home. So, um, yeah, that was all in the garage and the strength and flexibility and core and stuff like that. Um, and then more recently, you know, I can go kick with a mate now. I've tra been training with Dylan, uh, Wenzel Halls, Joe Duckworth and stuff like that. So I've been, yeah, been finding people to train with and get going really. That's great. And Owen, obviously less of a, I guess, as a coach, a lot of the stuff that you do is probably not, quite hands-on necessarily um are you still having to do that in anticipation of potentially the season starting at some point soon yeah i think um, and especially the last few days i think we can start to see somewhat the the light at the end of the tunnel um so we're just getting in preparation for those restrictions to be lifted um i mean I, I've, I've been trying to keep in contact with, with most of our boys semi-regularly um and i know they you know, like our club and, and Jamie has given them a program to do. And these days it's great with the apps. You know, you can actually see how long they've run and <laughs> where they've run and how quick they've run. Um, and, and, you know, we've done a few little fun challenges that you have to post videos with the crossbar challenge or juggling the tennis balls or whatever it is. So we've tried to stay connected uh, as, best we, as best we can, um, which has been great. It's, it's been a great lesson. And, you know, done a few of these zoom sessions now and i think that they've been brilliant you know and i think it will help us maybe be a little bit more innovative in the future you know how, how we coach um but i you know i still i'm sure like every player have uh, just can't wait to get back out on the park and uh, start training again and playing games you know that's, that's what we're hoping for so i mean despite the fact that you've actually quite an experienced coach and you are still pretty young in fact you're incredibly young for, for a coach um uh, at this level um how did you get here was coaching always something you wanted to do probably you wanted to do it hands-on as opposed to over a zoom call but um like yeah. how how did you get into it um well i started um when i when i moved um to australia and started playing uh pat hedges uh, was at the club um, pat used to be the, the development officer for football queensland and the gold coast um and yeah, he, he uh, dragged me along to a Saturday morning coaching clinic with uh, hundreds of kids, and uh, that was that's that's the rest, you know. He's, you know, so I from there coached, you know, junior rep teams and the football Queensland state teams, and and then when the MPL formed, um, I was very lucky that Pat put me onto Largy at Brisbane Strikers, and uh, yeah, like I say, this is my uh, my eighth year, I think. So I've, I've got to try and hang in for two more years to get some long service leave out of the club. <laughs> and, and is it hard going from, from youth coaching all the way up into senior coaching? Because, I mean, I imagine, and of course, it's quite different, right? Coaching. Yeah, it is. I, I sort of did two years. Like I did two years of the 15s, two years with the 18s, two years with the 20s, and then first team assistant, and then actually working with the first team. So... Um, yeah, the game, obviously, it's, it's about results. It's about winning. Um, but 
we've always tried to play a certain way uh, as strikers. So I don't think I think that uh, education was good for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've certainly. I, and I suppose as you get older and more mature, and you you, you get uh, new experiences, you you learn things every year too. And uh, you know, again, even this year, like you, like we just said, during this period, I'm learning things now. So I've still got lots to learn. <laughs> Always, every day's a school day, right? Yeah. Um, Andy, aside from beating your former coach at golf, um, what else have you been doing um, in the off-season? And how did you get into football? Um, by the sounds of things, you're a pretty handy golfer. So was that an option as well? Oh, I was only handy today, to be fair. Um, <laughs> nah, so probably did all my juniors at um, Lions, basically. So I was from there from about under eight till uh, under 16s or whatever, JPL, Rebel Sport Junior Premier League it was then. And then um, after that, I went over to Western Pride and did a couple years in the 20s. And I was in the 20s while um, they won the championship in 2017. So I think I come four. off the bench a couple of times that year. Four, um, four games, I think. And, but that was because you'd scored 33 goals in 21 games for the <laughs> 20s. Yeah, like yeah. I, yeah, um, I won Golden Boot for the 20s then. And yeah, it was very difficult. I think Harry Sawyer and um, Dylan... Uh, Mitch Bird were above me in the ranks then, so I didn't really get much game time. I had to buy my time. And then um, in 2018, Graham gave me a contract, obviously, on the, on the back of that, that season. And then uh, there were a few injuries, and um, I started up top with Dill, and, you know, the, it went, went quite well. I kept my starting place for the whole season and um, scored quite a few goals there for my first year in first team football. And then... Big Owen gave me the call in uh, the end of 2018 and Fraser Hills, his uh, key scout, got me over to Strikers. So that was, that was how it was because that 2018 season with, with Pride obviously coming off the back of that um, championship win, um, you still managed to get up to third spotting the ladder. You were the free scoring kings of mm. the competition, 96 goals. I think it was 12 goals something like that more than Lions that year. Yeah. You, you got 14 of them yourself. Uh, yeah. It felt like that team sort of broke up a little bit at the end of that year anyway. And um, was it just sort of, I guess, happy coincidence that Owen was at the end of the phone? <laughs> um, to be fair, I think that year, if we kept that team together, there were a lot of things that went on. I think Graham left and then Dill left and then Fraser left. So we lost three very important people. And I think we could have gone on one and won it to be, to be, completely honest with you I think we would have won it that year had we kept us all together um but yeah on the back of 2018 I was I was the first to leave Western Pride um I made that decision based on what my talks were with Owen um his plans for me and what was best for me and I made that decision based on what was best for me and it turned out um to be the right one obviously considering <laughs> the season I had so yeah Owen showed a bit of faith in me and it paid off and um yeah, obviously, it, the, the team did end up breaking up. I think um, Joe went to Lions after I did, and then there were a few coach issues there. So um, the majority of the team ended up um, going different places, which was a shame at the time because we were all really good mates, which was um, another, you know, the, the culture there was unbelievable because we were all, like, the same age and the same, going out together every weekend and stuff like that. So it was a shame, but, you know, we've all pushed on to different things and it's been good anyway yeah that western pride side one of the real success stories i think the way that you did all grow up together and develop and obviously yeah. a, a few handy players 
in that team. But you mentioned 2019, so we will get stuck into it. Um, uh, it was a pretty impressive year. Uh, uh, first Queensland club to ever qualify for the FFA Cup semi-finals. Um, a long road to get there, and I mentioned it before. Um, strikers have an unenviable record of playing away matches in the FFA Cup. I think of the 27 ties you've played, 16 of them have been away. You started at home, though. Just a handy double hat-trick for yourself, Andy, against South's 10-1, the score there, um, which I think at the time was the biggest win for strikers, certainly in the MPL era, um, until a little time later when you scored another hatful of goals um, against Sunshine Coast. Um, after that, you had to travel away to the reigning Premier's Lions um, and then another away trip to Easts um, and a 4-1 win there and then a 5-1 win away at Gold Coast Knights. To put that all into context, though, it was off the back of a pretty sluggish start to the, to the NPL Queensland season. Owen, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, well, did you always keep the faith? Because I know, of course, you wouldn't be a coach if you didn't know that your team were capable of getting over that slump. But it must have been a tough way to start that season. Yeah, it was. It was, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was tough. It was very difficult. And, you know, whenever you're getting results, it's not just one reason. You know, there's a few things that accumulate into that, um, whether that be injuries or just people new to the club. You know, I think that year Andy was new. We had Scott Halliday from City who was new, Bond Scott. Um, who hadn't played much football the year before. Uh, Matt, Matt Richardson, you know, sort of had a year. Of, so there's a lot of new players to the club. And um, I think it's, it's um, consistent whenever you see new teams put together. It, it takes time. Um, so and then, and then, yeah, that week uh, of the, I think we got a point on the Sunday night at Olympic in the league. Um, we then went to Lions on the Wednesday night and, and, you know, had the had the win there, and then got backed it up with three points against Mackay. So that was like the defining week for us, where we we changed shape. Uh, we brought Cade McDermott in from the under twenties, who you know had a fantastic season for us. So we sort of rolled the dice that week, and a few players came back from injury, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it sort of that was that was the defining week that changed our season, definitely. And how much of that was down to the cup? Because I mean, these results you know, or just on paper, a away win at Lions. Not many teams did that, and certainly not many teams put three goals past Lions that season, or indeed yeah. any season. A win away on the coast against Knights, who at that stage were in fantastic form, of course, went on to win the championship 5-1. I mean, these aren't little victories. It's a fantastic result, run of results. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm sure Andy has his own thoughts as a player, but... Um, during that period when you're in the league, you sort of do feel the pressure and the burden and you're looking at the league table and forms and things like that. Um, but, you, you know, I remember I was going to the to Lions on a Wednesday night and like we got absolutely nothing to lose, you know. So it's just you, 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 you sort of have a different mindset to that. Um, and yeah, I, I, and I think then you just... Uh, you get a bit of confidence and you get momentum. And whether it's league or cup, momentum is a massive thing in football, as is obviously confidence. Um, so as soon as the boys started saying up for the cup, you know, let's get up for the cup, we, we, we could feel that energy and we sort of used that. Um, and it helped. It helped both sides. It helped our league form change and, and obviously the cup run was, was very special. Is that how you saw it, Andy? Yeah, yeah, well, we had cup fever, that's for sure. Um, I think 
I think the after the first eight or nine games in the league, you sort of look at the table and the top four was already shaping up, you know, that, that big four everyone talks about. So the league was pretty much, it was done for us at that stage. I mean, we knew we were going to be safe because we were a good enough team, but um, the cup's all we had really. So when we drew 1-1 in Olympic, we knew that we were good enough to match it with any team. And then we went to Lions and that first half at Lions, I think we were, we were far better than them. Um, we went in one nil up at halftime, I think. Um, and we hung on a little bit in the end, but I think we deserved to win that game as well. And then from there, I think any team in our, in our way, we sort of backed ourselves because when we changed shape, we were a completely different side and we had everyone back. And yeah, things just clicked for us completely. So it was good. At what point, um, and this is a question to both of you, at what point do you start thinking, oh, we're getting closer to the national rounds now. Is that something you're always thinking about, um, getting onto that big stage? Or is it just, again, cliche alert, is that just a one case of one game at a time? You're using that to just start getting that form, getting that cup fever? Or is it a case of that there's a, certainly a prize and your eyes are firmly on that? Uh, going on, uh, <laughs> going well, on. Well, I mean, listen. Obviously, after beating the Knights, and we knew we got through that round. Uh, beating beating the Knights and Lions give us a massive confidence because, um, and you know, this is credit to I think all the previous MPL teams from Queensland. Like every year, there's a there's a Queensland team that does well in the FFA Cup. I think that's been quite consistent. So, um, you know. We, we wanted to be that team again um, and, you know, we, we were confident because we, we've seen it been done before, obviously not to the semi-finals, but, you know, uh, other teams from Queensland have done it in the past. Did you, do, you, do you think then in that case, like when you get through to that, when you qualify for that round of 32, are, are, you, are you praying to get, a, get an A-League team? You want to get them essentially while they're a little bit cold maybe coming off pre-season? Yeah. I remember, I remember the draw for the um, when we got Wellington Phoenix, um, and Jake McLean got on his phone straight away to see their their squad, you know, their contracted squad. And they had a lot of players that leave, and Ufot Talai just came in, I think, as coach. And I think Wikipedia said they had six players at the time, so we had we had no idea um, who they were going to be signing. But it was ju- it just again, it was a little sign that gave us confidence that. We remember what it was like with a new squad only six months ago and how long it takes to build a squad. So we knew they wouldn't be able to play games over there in New Zealand um, and they would be, you know, a very new team. So, so it, you know, they were professional players, don't get me wrong, but we, we knew getting an A-league team in that first round at home, then it's nothing but excitement and confidence that you can do it. And of course, by that time, the league form had turned around as well. You guys was playing some really attractive football. And Andy, you were um, just banging goals in left, right and centre. You scored, what, nine goals in a game against Sunshine Coast, um, beating Dylan's record. So I'm sure you enjoyed mentioning that to him a couple of times, maybe. Um, you got um, the most goals scored by a single strikers player in any competition. Um, the most goals scored by a single player in an NPL Queensland season as well, 41 goals, uh, which is not too shabby, to be honest. So that form was really building in you as well. And what do you put that down to? Was it a case of things were finally gelling in the way that you were playing? Was it that confidence? Was it that carrot of the FFA Cup as well? 
Um, yeah, I put it down to probably all those three things. Um, when the team wasn't playing well, I wasn't either, to be fair. Like, I wasn't getting any chances um, the first eight games. So when the team clicks, um, it all came together for me. I was starting to get chances and I was starting to put them away. You know, I, I probably could have scored a lot more goals than what I did. Um, that's how many chances I was getting. So uh, you're only as good as the, the players behind you. And I was getting a lot of service from, from everyone, you know, both fullbacks, um, Fraser and Jay Tens, you know, I had, I had service from everywhere. So it all just came together as a team. And um, that's why it was so good for me as well. That game against Wellington, of course, we'll, we'll turn our attentions to that. Um, Decent-sized crowd at Perry Park. Um, of course, as you've already mentioned, this is a team that was new. Um, history would say, I mean, of course, the season hasn't been completed in the A-League, but this Wellington team have been playing some of the best football in the league, I think it's fair to say. Right, yeah, um, they've had a great year. They've had a fantastic year, and yet the year started, you know, when they were stunned stunned by you guys in the cup like so you look at that sort of all in context and you suddenly realize what a fantastic result that was um how did you set the team up Owen how did you get the team up I it, by this time it seems that the team were firing pretty well did you did you try and downplay the fact that um they were playing against a group of professionals or did you say hey look you guys are ready for this you guys are able to do this like, what, what sort of mentality goes into that sort of um, preparation for that sort of match? No, I, th I think we probably had more of an aggressive mentality against uh, Wellington Phoenix than we did in the later rounds against Moreland and Manly. You know, I think they're more of the poten potential, you know, banana skins. Um, so we knew we had to be at our very, very best to beat Wellington because they're a professional A-League team. And like you said, they've, they've done very well this year and they've got quality all over the park. Um, so we, we had to build it. So we had to be we had to be the best. We had to be on, but we had to take them on and, and play our way. That sort of you know why our season had changed, and all of a sudden we started playing well. That's what we wanted people to see at Perry Park. We wanted to see that same football, um, and so that's that's what we tried to do. Um, and you know it was a it was a roller coaster of a game. Probably probably the the best one out of all of them when you when you look back on it. Uh, from a neutral uh, perspective, uh, but you know, like the boy, the boys were fantastic. I, I was just watching a little bit before uh, to rejog my memory, um, and you know, like twenty minutes to go at two all. You know, I, I thought it was. I felt it felt a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's still actually quite a long time. So we did well. Oh yeah, you certainly did. Um, Andy, you scored the second to to give yourselves a two nil lead at that point, heading into half time. I mean, that must have been what what goes through your mind in that situation? Because I guess, I mean, playing in front of cameras is nothing new. I mean, obviously, in terms of a live stream, um, we've been live streaming every game in the National Premier League's Queensland. But this is different. You know, this has got the Fox Sports backing. This is potentially going out to a national audience and indeed is going out to a national audience because this is the cup set this is the shock of the first round um playing out in front of us and as you already said it was a fantastic game as well um does that sort of suddenly kick into your head thinks oh hang on we're two nil up against an a-league side here this <laughs> this is getting quite interesting yeah it was yeah very interesting obviously i think um I was pretty shocked as a player in the first half. We had a lot of a lot of the ball. They sort of they sort of sat back and let us have the ball. 
and we sort of dominated the first 25, 30 minutes until we went 1-0 up and they sort of went, hang on here. So they started pressing a little bit more and the game got a little bit tougher. But that first five, first 25 minutes, we were real comfortable. And then um, I remember just after halftime, I scored. And I remember thinking, um, Luke Devere was marking me at the time. There's no way I was going to win a header against him. Because I'd ran it, I think there was like three corners or something before that. And he was just grabbing me and I was just no chance. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll pretend to run in and just check and hang out to the edge of the box. And all of a sudden, the ball fell at my feet. Um, and I managed to put it away. And it was just more of a... That feeling was more of a relief than anything. Um, that goal, essentially, compared to other ones I scored. You know, Melbourne City was jubilation, but we'll get onto that later. But, yeah, the Wellington goal was relief because there was a big um, build-up to that game, um, obviously about the team and about me as well. So, uh, that yeah, that goal was relief. And then at 2-0 up, I thought... I thought we were, I, I don't think we were home, but I thought we were well on our way. And we sort of just stopped playing the way we were playing all season. We sort of defend, started to defend. And uh, the team we were, you know, keeping the ball and attacking was the best time, was when we were at our best. So we sort of played into their hands and we had chances at, at 2-2 to win the game after 90 minutes uh, or in 90 minutes. Uh, I think Jake missed a sitter. So shout out to Jake. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, nah, we we deserved to win, and yeah, it was it was obviously unreal playing in front of that many fans, and you know, I think Perry Park was the loudest it's ever been when Bond saved that penalty in extra time. So, yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned Bond, but I imagine in terms of relief as well, still going with your goal, I imagine there's a certain satisfaction about that as well, because like you're saying, Luke Devere is a battle-hardened warrior, really, in in defence. Like to be able to know that you kind of outfought him as opposed to out fought him you know there's a you know there's a real lesson there in a lesson for a lot of um young players I guess if, if you're being manhandled a little bit at the back you know there are other ways you know there's the sledgehammer and the and the dagger as it were you know and that and that's you know that's I, I guess a credit to the way and the reason why you scored 50 odd goals in the year hey yeah maybe you know it's probably the only time the whole year I didn't run in the box for a corner so <laughs> um, yeah it worked out quite nicely Okay, so you mentioned Bon. Um, he's, um, he's, he's quite a character, isn't he, Bon? Like, I knew him um, when, when he was at Brisbane City. Um, a, a fantastic guy. Um, huge penalty save in extra time. Couple of huge penalty saves in the shootout. Um, he was the keeper of the year last year. Um, how important was he um, in terms of just the general squad as well? I'll ask Andy second after Owen. Um, because you need a goalkeeper, you need a good goalkeeper, don't you? Um, in any in any team, and and Bon, I think last year in particular, showed himself to be one of the best. Yeah, he, um, I mean, I've known Bon for a long time. Um, you know, watching him come up through the juniors and QIS, and and, and he's been at multiple clubs now. You know, um, and he gets a bit of grief because of that. Um, <laughs> But the year before, he actually he got injured at City and didn't play much football. So I remember catching up with Bon at Perry Park and just saying, you know, you need to play. You need to come and play some football again. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you that opportunity. Um, and I actually don't I think Bon would admit this for the first half of the year, like the team. You know, he, he, he was getting used to playing again and, and, and probably wasn't in his, his best form. But uh, again, it was that night at Lions. It, if it wasn't for Bon, we wouldn't have gone through he made a great save at the very end there I think Joey Duckworth must from, from Joe's chance and uh, 
and, and again, he grew in confidence, grew in stature, and he's, he's got a lot of it as it is. Um, so, you know, he, he was, like you say, you need a good keeper and a good striker, and, and, and Bond just went from strength to strength and um, gave everybody a lot of confidence. Um, but, you know, because like, like Andy, you know, these young players against the big teams want to, they, you know, they've got aspirations to become professional players. So it's, uh, that's the opportunity you're on the same field as them. So that's when you, you know if you can or you can't do it. How is he in the dressing room, Andy? Like he's, he's a larger than life character, isn't he? I know that from, from my dealings with him. Um, but but um, a great guy to have around, I imagine. Yeah, he is a great guy. He's a nightmare, to be fair, as well. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, bon, Bon's a good lad. I grew up with him as well, so he's another one I knew when from when we played against each other from my under-13s upwards when he was at the Sunny Coast. So um, I got along with him really well, as did everyone in the team. You know, he's a lovable character, a lovable guy. Um, I think McGowan, McGowan shook him up a few times because he would do his head in, but um, apart from that, you know, he, <laughs> he did all right, Bon. Um, you took the first penalty, Andy, in the shootout. How are the nerves in that situation, or do you just block it all out and and know that you can hit the target from that sort of distance? Yeah, to be fair, I was I was actually all right. I wasn't too nervous. I knew where I was going. You know, as I was walking up, I'd pick my spot. You know, you always have to pick your spot early and just stick with it in your head. Um, and I sort of try to take it out of the keeper's hands anyway by going going high, top right. So um, I was pretty confident that I would score. Um, and then obviously the way it played out, I remember I had this clear vision of Maltby. Maltby was third. I'm not sure how. He's a good player, but I'm not sure how. Owen had him third taker as a penalty. You know, he's a, he's a raw, quick, you know, creates chances for himself type of player. But he was third anyway. And I remember... I think it was McCowett who missed, Bond saved it. And this was to put us 3-1 up maybe. And and McCowett missed and Maltby turned to me before his pen and he's put his hands on his head like he was, it looked like horror. And I was like, oh no. And he's taken the calmest penalty I've ever seen. And I just thought, oh, we've won 100%. And Maltby's doing that. Maltby's literally just rolling it home and sending the keeper the wrong way. There's no chance we're losing this game. And yeah. It was sick. Did, did you volunteer to take take first pen? Did you did you were you was your hand the first up in that huddle, or, or had that already been uh, planned? I think I had no choice, I know. <laughs> yeah, I um, I remember going around asking people with a pen and paper like you do, um, and I, I think I did tell Andy he was going first because um, Jake Jake McLean actually told me he wanted he wanted the fifth. Um, you know, I think he was upset that. Uh, he missed that chance, and you know, probably wanted to rectify. So, he, so, he, so he, Jake wanted the fifth, and he had the first. Um, so we put, I think, uh, Fraser before Jake, um, and then, and then nobody else wanted a penalty. You know, but to be fair, to what we did, I turned around, and I think third was the last one we had available, and he said, "Yeah, I, I want it." So I think, you know, penalty shootout, you've just got to be confident. Um, so there was a couple of boys there that, that didn't want it. Mulby wanted it. So, yeah, fair play to him. It was a great penalty. Yeah, and Hiroki Amori, of course, scored yep. the other one as well, um, who's always been a fairly dependable character for goodness knows how many years now for strikers. So, um, yeah, uh, just a memorable night, um, memorable occasion for, for everyone in football in Queensland and, of course, um, you guys as well. Uh, then 
you went on to Manly United, um, um, and Moreland Zebras as well, both at home, which was handy, uh, I guess, um, not having to travel. Were they both at home? They were both yeah, they, yeah, they were both at home. Um, and I was very lucky um, to be supported by the club. Um, you know, the, the, the two Bruces that run Strikers, they, they let me go down to Sydney and to Victoria, uh, to, to Melbourne, to watch both of those teams play in preparation. So that was a really good experience for me and got some real extra insights compared to just watching the live streams. Um, but again, I think it was good. I think when you know you're playing against an A-League team, um, you know, you know, like I was saying before, you have to be on. They're professional players. They train every day. They're physically uh, probably a little bit superior than, than the most NPL teams. Uh, but when you're playing interstate teams and you see a lot of good Queenslanders move down to Victoria, especially, you know, like it's, a, it's quite an interesting yardstick. So um, in a different type of way, the players were really interested and really excited about those games because we wanted to get one over, you know, Football Victoria and Football New South Wales in, in, in that sense. Um, so because Manly, Manly have done well. Manly are a big club in New South Wales uh, for the last few years. I mean, I remember the Moreland game in particular. Like, I remember I got the train to Perry Park on that day and it felt like I was going to, it sounds like a very patronising thing to say, but it felt like I was going to a cup tie. It really yeah. felt like that atmosphere was building and that momentum was building behind you guys. Um, and it did feel like, I mean, in the clubhouse after that match, that 3-2 win, um, which was um, a very entertaining game and I'm sure slightly nerve-shredding as well towards, towards the end, even though you guys were comfortable-ish in, in the match, it felt like you just had to, every time you got pushed, you, you responded in that game, even though it did end up being quite tight. But in the clubhouse, while we were waiting, it felt like an indeterminable period waiting for the draw to take place and they had the camera in there and when Melbourne City got drawn out the hat like that was a it felt like there was a yeah that's that's probably the toughest team that's left in, in, in the tie is that what you felt as well like I mean I mean, this was a Melbourne City team, but it is again the A League clubs are all building now. They're all building into their into their competition. You knew you were going to be playing at home. Um, you played against Melbourne City in two thousand and sixteen. I think it was um yeah. Tim Cahill's Tim Cahill's debut. Tim Cahill's debut um, for Melbourne City. So it was. It must have been. Uh, you know, you're going to have to face a tough team in his next match what was Melbourne City the team that you didn't want to see come out the hat or did it not matter by that time really uh go on Andy um yeah I guess I mean obviously all three teams left for A-League teams so it didn't matter who we were versing in that sense it would have, it would have been a tough game I think Melbourne City probably was the last team we wanted to verse in the semi-final um but it was, you know, we got on with it straight away. It wasn't, oh, there wasn't, the, it was a great opportunity for us to verse Melbourne City. Um, and we knew that it would be a sellout Perry Park. So obviously straight away, everyone was like, oh no. But then everyone was like, okay, we'll, we'll just get on with this. This is awesome. Um, yeah, what an opportunity. There was more people actually at the semi-final than there were at that Tim Cahill debut match, by the way, which is... I know I found that interesting. Obviously, they were here to see you, Andy, as opposed to your bigger draw than Tim Cahill um, in these parts. Um, 
what about the build-up? Because there was a two-week break um, between the two matches taking place, the quarter-final and the semi-final. Um, the season had finished. It was just the finals um, campaign. And as you've already mentioned, Andy, and, and, uh, and you both you finished in fifth spot, so just outside the finals in Queensland. Um, what did you do in that two-week period um, in between? And I understand I mean, there's a bit of a interesting story about some of your squad selection ahead of that game. Yeah, <laughs> the first time. Um, <laughs> no, well, yeah, it was two weeks, so it's very hard. To, it's quite a long time when you, you, you're training every day or every second, well, three times a week, sorry. Um, so as soon as we, we knew we were playing Melbourne City, obviously we had to deal with the news that um, Michael McGowan was suspended as well. So he was unavailable and Michael's a, you know, a key, key member in our team. So... I suppose it was our job as a coaching group and staff as a club. It was to get the players to believe that we could do it without Michael, um, which was hard you know, because we had no other centre-backs. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, Ryan Palmer, um, the peanut as he's known. Um, he, so he played in my under-15s as a, as a centre-back and then 16s till, till, till now, he's, he's been a midfielder. And uh, him and him and his Mrs M were uh, in China climbing the Great Wall of China, and I was uh, WhatsApping him. I think I told the players first actually that he was that he was playing centre back, and then I WhatsApped him and told him that he was. Uh, yep, yeah, you're playing centre back against uh, Melbourne City <laughs> when you get back. So I think he I think he got back in on the Monday night, and then we didn't see them on the Tuesday, uh, and then he he played centre back on the Wednesday night. So. Um, you know, typical peanut. He, you know, do anything for the team. You know, he did, he did a good job. Um, so, but yeah, it, it was um, during that two-week window. Was just, you know, us, we were sort of in a bubble. You know, like we've got players meeting journalists for photo shoots and uh, you know interviews and phone calls here and like it was just pure excitement. You know, like it was. Uh, Two weeks of fame for the players. It was it was great. Is that really what the magic of the cup cup means? Really, like in getting that national media attention and in, in having to do all that media. Um, and I guess there's a question to both of you: was was it a distraction? I mean, I, having not had to do it, I know Flinney runs a pretty pretty good ship in terms of the, the media output that Strikers has did all season and did a, did a fantastic job. But it obviously steps up a notch when you're talking about a national competition like the FFA Cup, playing against a team featuring, you know, really a player who ended up being the informed striker of, of the A-League season in Jamie McLaren. Uh, it, must have, it must have been a slight distraction, um, Andy. Uh, I, I don't know, really. I think um, everyone was used to it by this stage. You know, everyone was doing a little bit from the round of 32 onwards. So, um, I personally wasn't really distracted by it. The Pliny was asked, everything was through him and there was no real, no real pressure to do it if you didn't want to. So I think it didn't distract anyone that, that wanted to do it and that the club, you know, the, it was good for the club. So everyone sort of put their hand up and, um, you know, it's a once in a life, a lifetime opportunity for a lot of people. So, um, it was an enjoyable experience for everyone, I think. How did you find it, Owen? Like that extra, that extra attention um, in the build-up was was it was it a distraction for you? 
I don't think it um, became a distraction. I'm not sure that's the right word, but it was a, it was an extra um, workload, I suppose that I'm not used to. I wouldn't have been used to. Um, but we just, you know, you just sort of have to still keep your coach's hat on and remember that when you're training, you're training for a reason. Um, and you know, like we're saying before, we we came up with a game plan um, and you know tried to just had to make sure we had to try and do it against Melbourne City. It doesn't matter who it was, you know, or whatever the build-up. was still a game of football at the end of the day, you know, 11 v 11. And that's sort of how we approached it. And it was probably one of the, you know, the proudest things for me, looking back on the Cup, is we went into that Melbourne City game um, believing we could win, you know. like that, And that was, that's a credit to all the players and all the coaches and the club because they did a great job in building that up. And, um, you know, like we didn't go into it scared or didn't try and change our tactics because we had a player missing we went in and, and gave it a good go so um yeah I, I, I'm, I'm proud for the players because of that it only took three minutes to show that you weren't going to be messing around as well Andy talk us through it um yeah obviously I didn't didn't ex- expect to um for it to happen so quickly you know obviously you, you, you daydream a bit about that sort of stuff happening um in front of so many people so um for it to have actually happened, I was a little bit like, whoa, at the beginning. And then, you know, it's, it's just awesome. It's a great feeling. Anyone who does it, you know, there's no better feeling than that. So, um, and then obviously we were 1-0 up and, 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 and cruising for a little, obviously we're conceding a few chances. But, you know, in my mind, we were cruising. So, um, yeah, obviously it was a good feeling. And, you know, that's what you live for. It wasn't like um, we were 5-0 down and scored one. You know, we were 1-0 up and everyone started to genuinely believe, hang on a minute. So um, it was pretty cool. Oh, and there was. I mean, in the stands, there was genuine belief. And it was, it was such, a, such a sweet finish as well. You know, it, re- it really was. I think it woke up Melbourne City more than anything. And I guess, I mean, I don't know if this is a thing in, in football. Is there a bad time to score? Is there, a, is there such a thing as scoring too early um, in that match? It almost felt like, the right riding that wave of enthusiasm and support from from a three thousand plus strong crowd, and then all of a sudden that sort of adrenaline sort of burnt off a little bit, and and Melbourne City started to find their passing game, and 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 Jamie McLaren does what did what Jamie McLaren does, I guess, score, score scoring a couple of goals, but I mean. Was it a case of scoring too early, or does it not really matter? Uh, no, I think I think there's never a bad time to score. So um, because we we had chances still in that first half, and I think Melbourne City's goal, um, you know, came from a turnover by us. You know, so it, it's you know, like I, I don't celebrate goals too much anyway. Um, but I do remember when Andy scored that one. Same thing going, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually happened. Um, so had we have scored that, had we have scored that one goal in the in the 89th minute, it might have been a little bit different. But um, uh, no, I mean, I, I think it was. I think they scored the equaliser in the 25th minute around that time. Um, so fifth minute. So on the half hour. Yeah. So I, I think we did quite well. Like I said, until we until we gave the ball away ourselves, so we 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 were quite happy going into the sheds at one all. Um, but yeah, second second half was tough. Yeah, and, and I guess that's at that point. I mean, the A League clubs are, are really at full gas by that time, and, and you know Melbourne City's not a 
unexpensive, um, assembled squad and that's one of the strongest squads in the A-League. And as you said, in the first 45 in particular, you certainly didn't disgrace yourselves. Um, it, it just capped off, I guess, an incredible, an incredible way to end the season. Um, it, it showed that, yeah, like you said, after from, from the start, not going quite as quite to quite to plan as it were to suddenly sort of move in and, and get that opportunity on the national stage. Uh, it, it's something that will you'll probably will remember for a, a fair fair time in your career and a, and a fair time afterwards as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it inspired, hopefully inspired a lot of the junior players and, and, and fellow NPL players. You know, I think we've seen, obviously Andy got a professional contract on the back of that. Um, and we had uh, a Bon who's, you know, spent a lot of time with Melbourne City in the off season. So I think, I think the FFA Cup is a fantastic competition uh, for, for football in Australia. Um, and hopefully... Uh, when football, you know, returns, um, you know, we can we can keep giving these, you know, good Australian players uh, chances with the professional clubs. So, trip to Bali to finish the season, Andy. How was that? <laughs> yeah, it would have um, it would have been nicer if it was a pre-final, you know, camp. But um, you know, probably wouldn't have been the most efficient training camp ever in <laughs> Bali. So, so you know, no, nah, Bali was Bali was awesome for us. You know, we were. We're all still buzzing off the back of um, of the season we had, so yeah, it was it was awesome time to get all the players together and just just put your feet up for a bit and enjoy, um, yeah, enjoy an overseas trip. Any dirt on your teammates? Now's the time if you needed to dish on anyone. Now's not the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very wisely said. Um, it wasn't long after that though, Andy, that that you you moved. To pastures new, um, first signing for Peninsula Power, but then not long after that, actually getting a professional opportunity with um, with the Singapore Premier League side, um, Home United, who are now Lion City. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, new ownership. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, you carried on where you left off there, scoring um, in your competitive debut. Um, so congratulations on that. Uh, moving overseas. Uh, it's always a brave move, right? It's always um, taking you out of your comfort zone, giving you an opportunity to try different things. And what what sort of went through your mind? Was it the, the carrot of the fact that it was a professional setup? Of course, um, Aurelio Vidmar is the coach there. Of course, coach who has pedigree here in Australia. Um, how how was it? How, what was the what was the thought process uh, that went through your head in thinking, right? This is a great opportunity and a you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to go and experience a different different footballing culture. Um, yeah, obviously I spoke to probably Aurelio probably around November. Um, and it all happened extremely quickly, to be honest. So I was sort of over there before I knew it. Um, and I didn't really didn't really take into consideration, you know, the mental side of it. It is it is it is a sacrifice going over there. Um, you are by yourself. You have to be mentally tough which is something a lot of people probably don't understand, you know, moving away from your family and friends um, to a new culture. But um, obviously I enjoyed all three months I had over there. Um, and if I can get back, I'll get back. But um, yeah, it, it was a, I learned a lot about myself. I learned, learned a lot about being a footballer um, and taking care of your body from Aurelio and, um, I had my family or my mum and dad there when I scored on my debut. 
um, before, you know, the whole, the whole COVID thing came about. So um, that was something I won't forget either. So um, it was a really good experience and um, yeah, hopefully um, it might continue when, when I can, when it's safe to do so. You're the third of that sort of, I guess, of, of, of the Western Pride sort of triumvirate of strikers to, to get a professional contract. Of course, Harrison Sawyer um, went overseas as well, went to the Philippines. Um, and, of course, Dylan Wenzel Hall's with the Raw here in Brisbane. Did, did you speak to um, either of those two guys, um, and particularly Harrison, I guess, uh, about what it's like playing overseas and, and perhaps dealing with that mental side of things? Yeah, actually, um, obviously, I'm very close with Dill, so I spoke to him, him, him a lot. I speak to him about everything. But um, Harry, I actually went to New Zealand with for a Fiji soccer international tournament thing. So it actually, actually turned out I was catching a flight and stayed in Harry's room over that, over that three or four day period. So I talked to him a lot about it, um, and he, you know, he only said positive things. Obviously, he did did tell me it is tough and you probably, you know, you're better off going over with the miso to be fair. Um, but yeah, obviously that's part of the sacrifice you make if you, if you want to be a professional footballer um, and you can't really say no to those sort of opportunities um, um, in, in order to experience it. So um, he, he said positive things and, you know, I spoke to Graham Harvey as well and Owen and, and a lot of people about it and, you know, you, you can't say no to that sort of stuff. So, um, I'm happy I did it. I mean, would you like? Obviously, you want your players to 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 hang around for as long as possible for strikers, but also when they get these opportunities, it it is something that that it enriches them. And it's going to sound horribly cliched, but it enriches them as as people as much as it does players. And and getting an opportunity to play in Asia is something that you can't just you just can't turn down, right? No, I think it's great, and I think. Um... Uh, well, once this COVID-19 settles down, um, hopefully, um, I, I think players are going to continue to get, you know, more opportunities. I think there's, you know, there's some fantastic players come out of the NPL Queensland and NPL across the States, you know, and you know, Lyndon Dykes is one that's all of a sudden doing very well now in Scotland. So, um, you know, we encourage it and I think most clubs in the NPL do. I don't think there's many clubs that stop players, um, you know, or would stop players for, you know, chasing uh, their, their goals and ambitions to become a pro, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's nice, you know, it's, it's uh, nice when you see players that go on and, and, and do well, you know, like that, that's, that's why we do it. And I guess I don't want to sort of throw a controversial question in here, but I guess until a second division or something that resembles a second division or an expanded A-League comes about, it's, it's probably likely that more players are going to have to bite the bullet like Andy did, like Harrison did, and, and, and take that leap to go in, into Asia and, and, and get their opportunities there. Mm. Yeah, uh, yes, potentially. Uh, but again, back to maybe the COVID-19 point, maybe now in, in Australia, um, we may be forced to give uh, some Australians, you know, a, a chance before foreign players. I, I'm not sure. Um, I certainly think there's, there's good enough players um, locally that could be playing in the A-League uh, or B-League or, or whatever format, it, 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 how it returns. Um, you know, but so th I think that's exciting. Um, but I think if you're in Andy's shoes or Harry's or, you know, any, any, any players, then um, you, you're going to go to whoever gives you an opportunity. Just quickly, Andy, getting out of Singapore was a little bit hairy, I understand. Uh, yeah, to say the least. Um, I, 
my mum was uh, probably crying a little bit. To be fair, um, it was a it was a bit bit panicky because I probably had three or four flights cancelled, and I wasn't even sure my my one on the Saturday would go ahead. Every night before before I was getting ready to leave, I'd get a text from Singapore Airlines telling me it was cancelled. So I probably paid for about three or four flights, which I managed to get the money back in the end. But um, yeah, when I got to when I got to the airport and I looked at the board and all the flights were cancelled, but mine was you know green and they had a gate. I was absolutely um, delighted. You know, I think now is the time to be home with your family, and it would be it would be even tougher over there. Um, not having, not having the football, so um, I made the right decision. So in in that situation, I, I guess with all the uncertainty you mentioned before, that it was quite tough mentally going and playing over there. This, I mean, if not a baptism of fire, then I mean, this is certainly probably as tough as it's ever going to be. Sort of facing that prospect of, I guess, being stuck there. Like, did you get any support from from the club at all? What, what did the Singapore League? sort of shut down pretty quickly and, and, and just say, no, right, we're all going to, everyone can go and do their own separate thing now or, 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 or how was the, the situation there? The Singapore, um, the SPL was probably, I think it was the second last league in the world to end up shutting down because Singapore had everything under control. Um, and the cases were starting to go up a little bit, but I remember we played behind closed doors in what was um, my last game before I left. Um, against Tampanese on the 18th of March. And then I think by the 22nd or something like that, um, they made a decision at like 9.30 at night. And then I spoke to the club pretty much the next day. Um, yeah, and the management obviously gave me their support. I had Aurelio's support as well because he's come home now. So, um, yeah, I had his support as well. So um, it was pretty easy to get home in the end. In that sense, the flights was uh, a little bit a little bit on the, another scale, yeah. Are you the only... Um foreign international player um in that in that team um no there's a south korean and a japanese boy but they've been uh in the in and around the league for about three or four years so they probably call singapore home now to be fair so they both stayed but i know they're foreigners from other other clubs have all gone home as well it's yeah it's such a shame really because it, it sounds like such an incredible learning opportunity if nothing else and it seems like things are going pretty well over there as well you, you said you'd like to go back when it all sort of sorts itself out with this coronavirus situation. Uh, um, I guess, fingers crossed that it gets sorted out sooner rather than later. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Who, know, who knows, honestly? Who knows? <laughs> okay. Um, what, what sort of ambitions do you have? Uh, in, again, probably quite hard to ask in this sort of coronavirus era, but um, was the idea to go over there, obviously, bang a few goals in just as you were doing with strikers, prove you can do it at another level as well and then potentially move overseas again, come back to the A-League. What, was there an end game or was it a case of just taking um, the game as it comes? As it comes? Yeah, to, to, to be completely honest, my, my goal was to come back and play in the A-League. So I was trying to um, obviously put myself in a professional environment, um, a full-time environment where I'm training four or five times a week, at least, you know, double sessions in the gym pretty much uh, every second day. So I was trying to give myself uh, the best opportunity to improve and, you know, to prove myself in, a, in another league, another style of play. So obviously, you know, you can move around Asia quite a lot um, if you do quite well. Everyone knows that. But, um, yeah, my, my goal was obviously to do well enough to try and get a move back back into the A-League and back home and, 
and, and try and prove myself there. But um, yeah, obviously <laughs> it all played out quite differently. <laughs> and I guess we'll see what happens in the future in that sense. I mean, yeah. um, if and when football, football gets going again, obviously um, a opportunity with strikers just to, to, to keep pressing on this season. I assume, of course, finals football is, is the aim and having a, good, having a good run in the FFA Cup won't go amiss either. Yeah, we'd love to. Um, obviously, I think if you're getting into the top four in the NPL, you, you know, you're a good team. So, um, you know, we, we, we wanted to build on that momentum from the, the back half of last year. Uh, we probably had a bit of a slow start this year and then had the break. Um, so we, we're trying to use the break as a, as a good thing for us, a, a refresh and a refocus. Um, and then obviously when football comes back, um, try and get as many points on on the board as we can and, and see what format, if, if, if any, uh, we, we come back in, uh, which I'm sure we will. Um, I know the, the clubs are working hard to, to try and make that happen. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the, the, the clubs um, have long-term ambitions, I think, that, uh, just to always try and be uh, you know, a big club and, and see what happens, uh, you know, future stuff. And until then, we just keep trying to help players like Andy and other players uh, get, get to the highest leagues. Excellent. Right. Well, thank you both so much for your time this evening. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you both and reminisce over what was a fantastic season. Before you go, we do have a penalty shootout trivia um, trivia match. Andy, you've already won once today, so I'm sure you'd be itching to, to make it a double here. Nothing um, to lose. Nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask if there's money on it like there was for golf, but it's fine. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go on a, um, if you, you just have to shout your name to, to get to answer the question, it will be the first to five. Um, Warren Moon last week was really struggling with his slow internet connection. So fingers crossed you guys, oh, that's what he was blaming it on anyway. Um, so fingers crossed you guys um, are both um, all right in it. Um, and we'll start with what should be a simple one. So just remember when you know the answer, say your name. Who scored Stryker's only goal in the 2019 FFA Cup round of 16 win against Manly United? Andy. Matty Richardson. Correct. Cheers, Richo. <laughs> right. Question two. Who won the 2019 MPL Queensland Men's Young Player of the Year award? Andy Penga, oh Andy, sorry, um, Oscar Dillon. It was Oscar Dillon. Ooh, I was going to say Lofthouse. Would have been a yeah, fair Andy. shout. My full name. Andy. Going to be a whitewash today. Okay, I was about to say, it's not looking good though. <laughs> right, especially with this next question as well. How many goals did Andrew Pengeli oh. score in the 2019 FFA Cup? I mean, Yes, I know what I always say. Go on. Five. Andy? Is it um the whole the whole thing? The whole thing. Sorry, I should have clarified I think, that. Uh, I think eleven. It was eleven. Not bad in eight appearances, has to be said. Six, um, six against us. Helps, doesn't it? <laughs> At least you can remember that. Right. Which club won the 2017 
MPL Queensland men's oh, grand final? Uh, we lost to, no, we didn't. We weren't in it. Morton Bay. It was not Morton Bay. Andrew, do you know the, Andy, do you know the answer? 2017? Cool. Was it, um, oh, I don't know it was it Redlands? It was not. It was Western Pride. Western Pride. You're oh, on the bench. What am I doing? Jesus, that's bad. Tell you it, what. Was Bay. <laughs> it was Morton Bay. It was Morton Bay Western Pride. That's awful. <laughs> right. Next question. Whose penalty did Bon Scott save in the shootout against Wellington Phoenix? You can have it, always. Go on, mate. Uh, Andy. Callum McCowart. Correct. I think you already said that earlier in the interview. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. That's, that's why I told him to have it. <laughs> right. One, one away, Andy. Who finished second in the 2019 Golden Boot Tally? Oh. With 29 goals. Yes, Owen. Jordan Farina. It was not Jordan Farina. Chris Lucas. It was Chris Lucas. Oh, that's five. I've had a bad day. It's, dare I ask what the score was in the golf? Uh, he beat me with a birdie on the 17th. Oh, pretty pleased with that, Andy? Yeah, I've never, never played better. <laughs> you can't believe it, Owen. Um, no, no. He had a good day. He played very well. Excellent. Well, hopefully you won't have to be playing golf too much longer. You'll be able to get back on the football field. Owen Baker, Andrew Pingali, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Really enjoyed that chat. And uh, yeah, well, fingers crossed we'll be able to be playing some football soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me and, uh, and Andy. Thank you. Cheers, Simon. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that, guys. That was absolutely superb. Really enjoyed that. That was excellent. Yeah, Simon. Thank you, man. You guys, bye for right. Best of luck. Best of luck with everything, Andy. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Apologise for the dreadful uh, performance in the uh, quiz. I <laughs> sure could have made it a lot, a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, no, last no, week no. I was running out of questions, so like this was actually quite good. You know, <laughs> just... that Western Pride one is absolutely awful. I mean, okay. we're going to cop some grief over that, or I'm going to cop. Oh, that's terrible. I don't know what I can say about that, Andy. I'm sure you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, I, I'm just, I, I don't know what I did. Honestly, I don't know what went wrong then. It was obviously yeah. such a good night that you just completely... It's oh, I've forgotten all of it, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> Absolutely, that's it. That's it's funny, one. though. Like I, was, I watched the questions last week with Scotty and Mooney and, like, I don't know, the pressure's not on, so you, you, you come up with the answer like straight away, whereas when you were saying 2017, I just had, like, Six teams coming in. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Oh, it's always why. Hey, yeah, I completely understand. Completely understand. Right. That's good. I'll All let, right. You, let you guys get, get on with your evenings. Again, thank you so much. Like, really, really, really appreciate that. And it was, yeah, really good chat. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. They'll put it Hopefully, up. Hopefully, uh, see you around the ground soon. Mate, fingers crossed. I can't. Yeah, Cheers. Fingers crossed. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, guys. See you later. Actually, Andy, thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah.